I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. So I come in from the backyard last night. I'd been outside having a cigar, drinking some scotch, you know, doing a little reading. And uh, I come inside, sit down on the couch with the dogs, and I feel this tickle on my stomach. I'm like, what was, you know, and so I, so I kind of scratch and I feel something. And I stand up and lift up my shirt and a cicada goes flying out. It had gotten up under my shirt, I guess, when it, when I came uh, uh, in from outside. And, you know, it makes that sound, you know, as it's flying off. Elmer, my dachshund, leaps off the couch, chomping on the cicada in midair, <laughs> killing it. And it makes that, <laughs> cicada murderer. <laughs> the story just got worse and worse as it went on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just envisioning in like slow motion dots and flying through the air. <laughs> I really wish I it had been something I could have caught on video because I mean it was just I was like what the hell you know and I lift up my shirt and it just I mean it just flies out and you know it makes that sound and Elmer I mean just doesn't miss a beat <laughs> and you know dead cicada. Oof. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I have the heebie-jeebies just hearing that story. <laughs> well, it, you know, I, I think it's great that his years of training of eating all manner of disgusting things in the backyard finally has paid off. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he eats geckos and lizards and butterflies and, you know, wow. you name it. You know, I, I am convinced that if I were to stop feeding Elmer, he could subsist completely, not lose a pound in the backyard because I <laughs> He eats all manner of living creatures out there. I'm just dreading the year of the cicada again because uh, last time it was here, basically you look outside and the uh, the ground is just covered in them. The dogs are eating them, uh-huh. and you know it's so much that they get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, have you guys heard or seen the Netflix film? rim of the world i have heard of it it's it seems very um stranger things yeah the idea behind it sounded good but i had a feeling it was going to be like low budget or cheap sci-fi and not very good so i never watched it i uh i I watched it yesterday and it's directed but directed by and i believe co-written by mcg you know who is uh uh, someone that we're familiar with, you know, he's directed a you know a, a, a number of genre projects, including uh, episodes of Supernatural. Um, to your point, Wayne, it is a low budget science fiction movie. It is very much a B movie. Uh, it is created, produced, and shot very much in a 1980s uh, kids sci-fi movie kind of thing. So it's reminiscent of those movies like Explorers or The Goonies. Um, You know, it's a situation where the kids have to save the world during an alien invasion. Um, The special effects are low-end CG, but still rather convincing. And the thing that I found remarkable about this film uh, is how much I liked the child actors and I am predisposed to intensely dislike child actors because of the way they're, they're generally directed and encouraged <laughs> to behave on, on screen. I'm glad you clarified <laughs> actors. I am predisposed to not care for children in general. Well, that too, that too, <laughs> but especially <laughs> child actors. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, usually they're just annoying on screen and, and, uh, <laughs> these kids were all rather earnest. Um, the, the, one of the kids I'm familiar with, he w- he was one of the children on the ABC sitcom The Kids Are All Right, which uh, only got one season. Uh, but I, I like him a lot, and uh, I enjoyed him in this movie. the The gist of the movie is is that you know these kids are all at camp, Apo- you know alien apocalypse occurs, and they're the only ones who can save the the planet. Um, and it's these kids with, uh, it's like, you know, they're straight out of Marvel comics cause they've all got issues with their parents. One, one kid's father died. One kid's, uh, father's going to jail. One kid, uh, uh, you know, his, his mother's disowned him and another kid, you know, uh, the, the, uh, parents didn't want, uh, that, that child. So, you know, it's, uh, 
it's all issues with adults. And the thing that I found really interesting about it is, number one, it had a moral core and actually a moral lesson in the movie. Uh, it, you know, and even one of the characters essentially states, you know, we do the right thing, even if it won't be successful, because it's the right thing to do. Um, and I was just like, wow, you know, I, that, that's not a message you hear very often anymore. Um, all the kids, despite how they are portrayed or, or early in the film, are actually all decent people, which reminded me very much of Stranger Things because all the kids in that show are pretty much decent people. Um, all the people with issues, you know, who are who are bad um, are adults, which, you know, similar in uh, Stranger Things. I really enjoyed this. Um, I thought that it was it was super refreshing that, uh, you know, the, the, the ethical statements that the movie made uh, and that the, the, the kids were all about building each other up, not tearing each other down. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was it's a kid's movie. It's it's meant for tweeners. Right. Um, but I thought it was a super good film. And I, I hope they make more films like that because it was really entertaining. And I really enjoyed the end credit sequence. And I'll say this. It had a better soundtrack than most Marvel movies. Interesting. All right. Well, I mean, I'll give it a shot. It seemed interesting. I just, you know, yeah, only so many hours it's, in a day. It's I've 90 minutes. discounted it because I thought it was just a cheap movie that was going to be really bad well you know i think there's a place in this world for b movies i don't think just because it's a b movie that it doesn't that it can't be entertaining and it can't be well written and it is written for 12 year olds right i mean so you you go into it knowing that but there are some things i really do enjoy about the movie i like some of the really bad sci-fi movies from uh before it became siffy so Mm -hmm. yeah i do enjoy a good b movie just not I don't tend to enjoy a lot of those ripoff movies yeah, that yeah. are here's the popular thing, and now we're going to make our own version of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, as a horror fan, obviously, I love B movies, and it, you know, I, there's actually a film, Aaron. I'm going to suggest you might you might partake in. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's called Butterfly Kisses. I, I, I saw it this week. It's an Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon uh-huh. Prime. Um, it is a low-budget horror film, uh, and uh, it's um, it's very much like a found footage Blair Witch type thing, but it mm-hmm. does something different with it, um, and it's really good with that foreboding sense of dread. Uh-huh. Uh, like, you know something horrible is going to happen. It's, it's a slow burn film. Don't go in expecting, like, you know... It's gonna scare you in the first fifteen minutes. No, I mean there's a, a slow build to it, but it's uh, it's it's basically about these college students who, as part of their film project, are researching a local urban legend, um, and it's not like they're lost in the woods or anything like that. It it's just you know it's one of these things that it's this urban legend. Everyone knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who may have seen this man. Um, and, uh, I, I, I thought it was genuinely good and it, you know, it's, it's got a, a bit of creepiness that sticks with you. So if, well, if, when you, when you said the, t- when you said the title was butterfly kisses, I just assumed it was some sort of, uh, uh, lifetime channel movie based <laughs> on that country and Western song from 20 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's an odd <laughs> title, um, but it plays into the, to, to the story. So I recommend it. It's, it's. You know, if we're talking streaming, I saw that this week, and I thought it was worth watching. So, since we're talking streaming recommendations, I really enjoyed the Netflix original movie Mother. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, I've heard of it. I have not yeah, seen it, though. Post-apocalyptic, uh, one human girl being raised by a robot as, uh, you know, the last human left kind of story. It is really good. You know it's going to turn creepy, and it does turn really creepy. Did any so of you, you guys... It, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So it's got your recommendation. I should check that out? Yes, I enjoyed it quite a oh, bit. We'll do that. Because oh, I've heard I've heard about it. I was just like, ooh, I don't know if I, if I want to see that or not. But, but if it's got the Wayne seal of approval, a seal of quality, I should say, <laughs> I will be tuning in. You were saying, Paul? Did any of you guys see, um, speaking of robots, it, it, it's a Netflix thing. It's, I think it's called Love, Sex, and Robots or something like that. No, but that sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, it's a compilation, Aaron. So there's a bunch of different stories in it that are, some of them are really good, some of them not so great. 
Yeah, it's um, it's produced, I think, by um, Tim Miller and David Fincher, if I remember mm. correctly. And mm-hmm. so, a while back, they had tried really hard and and to to get the rights for doing another heavy metal movie and something about it fell through but basically this is this is what they were going to do with it is this Um, an animated feature then it is it is a series of animated shorts um usually you know around 15 minutes long kind of like a heavy metal thing um but they're released as a series on netflix and so there's i don't know how many there are there's probably 20 of them or something um, but they're all like 15 minutes each and you can just, you know, watch one. And again, the varying degrees of quality, just like the short stories in heavy metal. Right. Um, but you know, if, if you're a fa- and I know you like that type of, uh, of sci-fi fantasy, um, you know, we, we all grew up with those heavy metal magazines and, and that kind of stuff. So I, I think it very much kind of ties into that. Well, my last film recommendation, I saw a little art house film. Uh, this week, uh, I kind of discovered it came out several years ago. It kind of flew under the radar. Uh, it's called uh, John Wick. You finally saw John Wick. I finally saw John Wick. <laughs> I still have not seen it. I, and you know, I had stayed away for from it for much the same reason as as I suspect Wayne has stayed away from it because I had heard that there is a, a dog killing scene in the movie, and uh, I gotta say. I thought it was tastefully done, the dog killing scene. It was not gratuitous. And it does, you know, it's sort of refrigerating the dog because it propels the uh, the action throughout the rest of the film. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed John Wick. Yeah. And hey, the dog only dies in the first one. Spoiler warnings on. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the John Wick films just get better and better. Well, so... I've got chapter two on my DVR right now, so I'll probably watch that tonight. Yeah, John Wick 3 is... It's it's freaking awesome, yeah. um, and I know it's you know not available on uh, on home video yet, but it's coming. Well, I, I you know I, I I was just really surprised. I, I was not expecting to like it because you know I had a lot of things against it for me for me, uh, you know one being the dog murdering scene, and uh, the other being I've got serious Keanu Reeves issues, so uh, I, I was surprised at how I got past Keanu Reeves in the movie. So it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I like those movies where uh, there's that whole other world that we don't see uh, where all the, the spies and assassins, you know, kind of talk to each other. Like it's like that, that, that Warner Brothers cartoon where the uh, the sheepdog and the coyote, you know, are, are talking to each other as they as they check into work. Yeah. You know, you know that they're just punching a clock. It's just a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of like that. Also, it had uh, Who's Your Face from the Orville in it. Oh, that's right. Adrian Palicki. Jesus Christ. Which character does Adrian play? <laughs> she plays uh, the first officer in Orville. Ah. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay. So, so you know, so, that's about ten minutes on. Uh... <laughs> so, you know, we we... we... We wouldn't. We have a light show as far as new comic releases, but there a bunch of news has already come out from San Diego Comic Con. It's Saturday morning, as of the time we're recording this, and so you know a lot of the big movie news like Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, all that will come out later on today, and we'll talk about that next time. But what has been released, uh, you know, there were some announcements going into Comic Con. Um, you know, there were uh, you know, and, and there's some stuff that was released Thursday and Friday. Uh, that we wanted to talk about, uh, starting with the fact that this interesting announcement came out this week. All right, Wayne, are you sitting down? I am. All right, that Mr. Brandon Routh will be returning to the role of Superman for the upcoming Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover um, in the Arrowverse. Yep, so I read all the article about this, and (laughs) it's not just him that's going to be superman the uh the superman they already have in that in the arrowverse is going to be there as well he is going to be one of the supermen from an alternate reality so he may very well be reprising his role as you know creepy superman you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) creeper superman well the, the rumor is that he'll actually be playing the kingdom come superman 
uh, oh, and not wow. necessarily just his Superman. Yeah, I like that idea because I think he was that movie had a lot of problems. The biggest part we just really hit on that he was creeper Superman. But I think he looked good in the costume and I think he did the role very well. I don't know how I'll feel about actually watching the episode because he's also playing the adamant as well. So seeing the same actor play two different roles on a show. I, you I, know, I don't I don't have a problem with that as long as they address it in the show. Like somebody says, don't those two guys look alike? I mean, just a little throw off line like that will make it worthwhile. I, yeah. I agree. As long as they yeah. don't just ignore it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this crossover. I, I got to tell you, their crossovers the, have been really good. Yeah, especially you know? this last one. The Invasion yeah, one was kind of mad, but this last one, uh, what was it, Crisis on Tours, maybe? I don't remember. Maybe. But the, the one this uh, past year was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and the next season of Arrow, the entire season is building up to the crossover. So I didn't even watch the season of Arrow, and I deleted it off of my DVR because I just could care less. But if the, the next season is supposed to be, you know, Stephen Amell's Arrow with the monitor building up to the crossover, I'm going to watch that season. And this one's going to cross over with all of the shows. It's supposed to be a, I think it's a six-part crossover mm-hmm. with uh, three episodes in December and then two in January. Yeah, and, and you know, we're going to get Batwoman. Out of it, ah, and, can't wait, can't and, wait. And the end of Arrow, which you know, I, it, it's it's past. It. I, if I'm being honest, I think most of those shows are past their expiration date. So. I don't think Flash is. I gotta yeah. tell you, I think Flash is is sort of evergreen for me. It is super good. I think it gets better season after season. In fact, this this past season had uh, uh, a a rather sort of eh sort of villain mm-hmm. uh, that they did a lot with. You know, I didn't care. I, I didn't care for the cicada, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I thought they did some really interesting stuff with it. And you know, they, they're playing with that time travel element a lot more effectively, I think, than uh, Legends of Tomorrow does. Yeah, I'm with Aaron. I think Flash was is still really good. Supergirl is still really good. Legends of Tomorrow was uh, expired when purchased. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was that was bad on date of sale. But it's still yeah. <laughs> around, and I know yeah. they brought in Matt Ryan as Constantine. Uh, you know, I I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that that you know, with DC having its own streaming service, I think that that uh, and Warner having such a big stake in the CW, I think that there is. They're looking for how they can generate content because mm-hmm. all that stuff's going to get pulled out of Netflix anytime now. Yeah. And, and it's just going to be available over there on the DC streaming service or the Warner streaming service when that gets up and running. Um, I think that's the idea. I think that they're just they're just using it to fund content and it gets enough viewership. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I joke about it because the first season was horrid, but the show eventually did find its voice and it is – you know, it's much better than it started off as. It's kind of a, you know, how we just talked about B movies. It's yeah. the B movie of superhero TV shows. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's embraced. It's funny. It. Yeah, it's funny. It's fun. The first season is about as bad as it gets, but and second season wasn't really much better. But by third season, they found their own voice. Oh, it's got and the hot I canary do, in it too. Very true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I actually enjoy the show now as much as I hated it when it started. Well, you know, Aaron mentioned the DC streaming service, and so I know you guys don't have it. But one of the benefits of the DC streaming service is that it it has day and date stuff when stuff is released, um, like animated movies, I should say. When animated movies are released on Blu-ray, they are available day and date on um, the DC animated DC Universe app, I should say. And so, you know, I, I'm excited because the, the DC, the panel for uh, Batman Hush premiered. Uh, like they had a, like a, a premiere of the, the movie yesterday. And supposedly it's actually really good, um, which is, you know, kind of surprising because, uh, you know, the, the movies are so hit and miss. But I, I do think that Batman Hush has a, the potential to be good because the Batman ones are generally pretty decent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but at, after the end of the panel, they announced the upcoming movie slate for DC animated movies, uh, which includes Justice League Dark, or excuse me, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which is going to be a sequel to that Justice League Dark movie, and apparently involves something relating to apocalypse. I did not care for the Justice League Dark movie. I didn't love it. Um, yeah, you know, so the, that one kind of kind of not the greatest announcement, but there's two more I, that interested me. I only recently watched Justice League Dark, and I thought it was okay. It's okay. Def- yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I put it. The thing that I find so interesting is that the uh, Justice League Fatal Five movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the most recent one that came out. The direction on that is far and away better than what was in Justice League Dark. Um, yeah. You know, the one of the things that I have an issue with on these direct-to-video animated films is that a lot of times it just looks like something that you, that some some amateur did on their PC, uh, and so the characters don't really occupy the space. It's just a character inside a set a, a a predetermined setting, versus you know like you would have in a live action film where you know you're in tight on a figure and they're really interacting with the scenery. Yeah. Um, you know, it was more like a filmation sort of animation in the Justice League Dark. Uh, whereas the Fatal Five, I mean, just screams with dynamic action. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's very much and, you know cut from the same cloth as the Justice League Unlimited shows. You know, well, and very much you know in that vein. Uh, what was it called? The the alternative Justice League they did. Gods and uh, Monsters, I think. Yes, yes Gods, that was so good. Yeah, I, I just that's the kind of thing I want to see. I don't want to see these just sort of, you know, hacky, you know, low grade animated animation. And that's what I found so disappointed about justice league dark. So, and I've got to imagine, you know, that house style. Cause that's what, that's their house style basically. Right. Right. So since we're talking animation, I was so excited to see one of Paul's tweets this week that they're making the Fleischer Superman into Action figures. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. I need all of those. I need Superman. (laughs) I need Lois. I need Clark. And I need the big robot. Yes. I have to have these when they come out. Yeah, that's pretty hot. I love those Fleischer cartoons. Oh, yeah. Well, the other two uh, animated movies that got announced for 2020, um, one is called Superman Man of Tomorrow. Uh, which so it'll be the first which is time an original get, story, right? Yeah, an original story. Hopefully, it says um, a fully original story featuring a young Superman early in his career. So, not entirely sure, you know what. Hopefully, they're not basing it on Superman Year One. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, there there's two Superman movies next year because in addition to that, we will get an adaptation of Superman Red Sun. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I mean, the here. Superman movies are so hit and miss, you know. Mm, they are. And even even when you get into a series, like Death of Superman was so good versus Reign of the Superman that you know, was more of a mess. I would say the Superman movies are almost consistently bad. Mm-hmm. Um which which is sucks because, you know, I love Superman and there has been great Superman animation. We just talked about the Fleischer Supermans and the, you know, the Bruce Tim Superman or Superman. Well, the original Superman animated movie, which launched the series is still right. The best Superman movie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that one. Yeah. Um, Superman versus the elite wasn't bad, but you know, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. You know, as far as Superman movies, but what I find interesting about these upcoming releases is that they're going to start reintroducing those DC showcase shorts Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. Yeah, so they're going to have shorts featuring Sergeant Rock, Adam Strange, Death, the Phantom Stranger, and an adaptation of Batman: Death of the Fan or Death in the Family, I should say, not Death of the Family. So that's interesting because you know that that's it's a pretty big storyline for them to do as a series of shorts. But maybe I don't know what they're yeah. planning there. That's you weird. Know, I uh, I saw that they were going to do that uh, Sergeant Rock animated short. And, you know, I, I frequently am amazed that, you know, we here we are, we've been at war for 20 years and we don't have a Sergeant Rock comic out there. You know, it seems to me like you'd update Sergeant Rock for, you know, the, the, the all the activity we have going on in the Middle East. Well, didn't they try uh, you, when um, when the new 52 started? 
I, I, I seem to recall they did some some uh, anthology war stories. Yeah, isn't right. that what they did? Yeah, just same way they did their their western uh, stories with Jonah Hex and whatnot. Um, but I think they I, it just surprises me that they don't have a more concentrated effort there. Yeah, I think I remember what you're talking about Paul. I think there was a one title that was like during a on an Earth that was World War Two. Mm-hmm. For the new, one of the new fifty two titles, but and like Aaron said, it could it. have been an anthology series. I don't remember. I just remember there being one. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it even featured Sergeant Rock. Um, but but I, I always loved Sergeant Rock and the Haunted Tank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course it. It's a little, you know, in our in our you know age of wokeness, it probably wouldn't be appropriate since it had a uh, Civil War general ghost <laughs> inhabiting the tank. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It'd still be good. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we move off of the DC animated stuff, uh, another announcement that came out, uh, I think this one was Thursday, was, and then I mentioned that Batman Beyond, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show or right before the show, uh, Batman Beyond would be um, digitally remastered. Yep, and so they HD for the first time, for the first time. And so it'll be, I think the first season will be on the DC universe app. Um, but you can purchase, they'll have a box set featuring the, the whole series plus the return of the Joker, you know, digitally remastered. And they showed some footage and it is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's pretty sweet looking. So I already pre-ordered my Blu-ray set. <laughs> like I can't not have that. I've got the Batman one now. I wish they'd get off their asses and give me Superman because that's the one I really want more than Batman Beyond. But because uh, I I, that, I think that one's only ever come out on DVD. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, I, I've got I've got the uh, the Batman one that they re- released last year. Uh, I, I will be getting the Batman Beyond and like yourself, as soon as they release Superman to Blu-ray, I'm there. Yeah. And, you know, they did say or Bruce Tim, I think, said that if the sales are good, they may look into re, uh, you know, bringing back Batman Beyond, um, which for I, season five, for a season five, yeah. and, which makes as sense. You know, they're I looking for content Batman. for their apps, like you said. Yeah. As much as I love Batman Beyond, I don't know that I'll pick up the the DVD or Blu-ray of it because I don't know that I'll go back and rewatch it. But like Aaron, when the Superman one comes out, I will pick that up. Well, you know, I I picked up the uh, the Netflix Lost in Space on Blu-ray last week. Uh, it was on sale uh, for Prime Day, and you know, I, I I was initially thinking, why would I ever want that on on Blu-ray? Because you know, it streams on Netflix, but there is a ton of added features, and uh, you know, that was the reason why I picked up the uh, the Batman animated series was for those additional features, and it'll be the reason why I pick up Batman Beyond. Yeah, so you know the the bonus features, especially on those, yeah. more so than than obviously some others. But on the animated movies or the animated um, series, like this up uh, like this recent Batman re release, they 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 had some decent bonus features on it. And so and that uh, you know I oh, I don't know if you guys have the most recent Batman digitally remastered uh, Blu Ray box set. Hopefully mm-hmm. you do because it was on um, one of those deal of the day things on Amazon earlier this week. And uh, the price the price was sweet, but you've already missed the deal, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk. So we've talked about DC animation. A couple of tra- well, before we get into the trailers, uh, a couple of movie announcements uh, came out, including Thor four, which um, I'm assuming will be part of today. Like I said, we're recording this Saturday morning. Uh, there will be a Marvel panel today, and I'm sure one of the uh, things they'll discuss is this week's announcement that Thor 4 will be coming um, uh, directed and written by Taika Waititi, uh, the, the the writer and director of Thor Ragnarok, which, you know, I know for some people that's great news. For some people, it's not. Uh, yeah, but he'll for, be that, that would be me. I, I'm in the latter group. Yeah. <laughs> I, great news for me because I think he did the best of the Thor movies. You know, I think... I'm excited that we're getting another Thor movie. It's he, he's the only character that we're gonna you know see basically continue on into his you know a series of movies. He's the it, it's shocking to me that Thor of all the characters is the first Marvel character to get four movies, mm-hmm. um, you know of of his solo series and uh, and I'm kind of surprised because I thought we would only see him in like the next Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, which I guess we'll see him there, too. So, uh, you know, the, uh, they put the Akira movie on hold. Uh, that's apparently been having development issues, and that was going to be directed by by YTD. And uh, instead, he's going to work on Thor 4. Um, you know, and they're, they're working on that now. 
I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it. One of my concerns is, as much as I like Thor Ragnarok, it seemed like the beginning of let's keep fucking with Thor to make Chris Hemsworth happy, right? right? Like let's turn Thor into a comedic character. Let's shave his head. Let's take out his eye. Let's um, kill off Asgard. Let's make him fat. Let's make him drunk. Let's make him stupid. Like it just, you know, at one, at some point soon, I would like to see Thor be Thor instead of, you know, jokey Thor or bro Thor is what they call it. Well, you know, there's no point in taking Thor's eye. If you're just going to give his eye back to him, there's no point in making Thor fat. If you're just going to make him skinny Yeah, and rather short, right. And that's what I find so so frustrating is, you know, everybody loves change in their characters or you welcome, you know, complicating factors. But, you know, the problem is, is they've they've really embraced the you don't really change the character, though. So if you have if if you're changing him in in the first hour by the by the end of the film, you got to restore him back to where he was. And that's super irritating. You know, the, 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 you know, uh, Rocket Raccoon just having a spare eye, which I guess if there's somebody who's going to have a spare eye laying around, it's going to be Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. But I think particularly for, for a film like Endgame, Thor looks so much more badass with an eye patch. <laughs> you know, let him remain badass for a while. Yeah, what I wanted to see when he lost the eye was I wanted – and he lost the eye. Odin's gone. I wanted to see him grow into – the King, King of Thor. Asgard. Yeah, yeah and that's what I had kind of expected out of it. But then in Endgame, they undid that. And then, yeah. well, well, in uh, Infinity War, they undid that. And then in Endgame, they did the Fat Thor, which I was fine with because I like that he was dealing with feelings of being a failure. I wanted to see that be the thing he was dealing with in the next movie. But they kind of dealt with that already and moved him yeah. along. So it's like, I I really like the last Thor movie. I think that they did injustices to Thor, not in the last Thor movie, but in Infinity War and Endgame. Well, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, they were directed by the Russo brothers, and they had teased that they were going to have some big announcements at Comic-Con also. And they announced that they would be producing, and you know, they, they haven't announced if these are going to be animated or live action. I believe... One of them's live action. The other one they're still debating. But producing uh, feature films for Grimjack and Battle of the Planets. Now, Grimjack Grim is Grim an odd-ass choice. Well, and, you know, Grimjack may be a title that a lot of our listeners aren't familiar with, but it was a 1980s title uh, published by First Comics, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. Uh, I was hard in love with Grimjack. Uh, you know, in a post-apocalyptic Chicago, uh, he was kind of like a pirate, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, and just really odd looking. Uh, I want to say Tim Truman did did uh, a lot of the artwork. Yeah, Tim on, Truman uh, did a lot of the art and uh, John Ostrander did the, yes. the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucking loved Grimjack, Paul. <laughs> so on the other side of that, I never read Grimjack and I don't know anything about it. I loved Battle of the Planets growing up. You know, but I, don't I know a lot of people did, that, and I'm just not, not familiar that with needs it. Needs to be returned to. Oh, was, I see. I I I I loved Battle of the Planets when I was growing up. You know, need help. You know, that's Kiop, man. There was a live action Japanese movie of it within the last five years that was really bad. Yeah, terrible. Almost as bad as that live action Japanese Star Blazers film. Yeah, I just don't think this is a property that transitions to modern day i'm sure they'll give them they may do like new costumes or try to update it or something but it just it was a product of its time and it was really good growing up but i think this is a kids movie and i don't think it translates well to modern society i don't know i you know i got a lot of faith in the russo brothers you know what do you think about that uh you know it's unrelated to comics but have you seen the trailer for because they're apparently really big producers as well and so they're producing that upcoming movie 21 bridges have you seen the trailer for that that looks really good it does look yeah, uh, Chad, chadwick boseman yeah it looks really good well and it's funny because now they've you know they've got all these because the marvel um actors all seem to really like them they're basically like borrowing <laughs> marvel actors for all their upcoming movies because they're they're doing an upcoming movie that also has tom holland in it and i don't remember the title of it um 
but you know they they they're certainly working with him on a, an additional movie and now Chadwick Boseman uh Cherry Cherry is the name of the upcoming movie from the Russo brothers mm. so it's about a drug addiction and the opioid crisis you know i i think they're good writers and i think they've got a good sense uh i'm 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 excited to to see what they do and you know i'm with you Wayne i think it's going to be hard to do battle of the planets uh, but I think I think if there's anybody who can do it, it's these guys. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. If anyone can pull it off, it's going to be them. I just don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so the for me, really, nothing at Comic Con is going to top the Top Gun Maverick teaser trailer. Holy shit, that trailer was awesome. <laughs> it's so good. It's so I, good. I was. I was geared to hate it, you know, because, I, I, you know, I, I, I have got Keanu Reeves issues. I even greater, even to a greater extent, I've got Tom Cruise issues and it looks fucking amazing. I am ready, Paul. I am ready to watch him write checks. His body cannot cash. <laughs> I want to see that trailer on the big screen. I will tell you yeah. that trailer came out and that night uh-huh. <laughs> because I'm like, fuck, yeah, I want some Bruckheimer in my life. Uh-huh. I want some Bruckheimer and I want some Ed Harris. So I watched The Rock that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I've watched that trailer seven times. Oh, it's so good. I've wa- I watched it on my phone when it first dropped. Yeah. Then I watched it on my iPad and I've watched it on my TV now. I mean, I that that trailer is amazing. And I saw an interview with Tom Cruise on uh, the, the Conan at Comic-Con show. And because I'm watching the – the the shots i'm like how did they get those shots of him in the f-14 well he's flying the goddamn f-14 <laughs> shot of course he is it's fucking Jesus tom cruise Christ. <laughs> did you see the last mission impossible yeah where he's flying the helicopter uh-huh yeah and almost kills henry cavill yeah yeah no i I would not be in a film with Tom Cruise. I mean, that's the thing is, I, you know, I, no, I like my life. I no, thank you. I, I'm I'm fine with acting and CG effects. <laughs> you know, Tom Cruise is insane. He is. Well, he's you know, enjoy him while he lasts because well, something's going to happen what, with that dude. You know, I, again, I, I've got Tom Cruise issues. Mission Impossible movies are pretty wicked, and they're shooting the next two concurrently. Yeah. Which is good, so, you know. We can get them a, a little faster because yeah. they're, they're It's the same creative team who did the last two, and, and ever since J.J. Abrams took over production of those Mission Impossible movies, they're they've been like cream of the crop do, action films. I do enjoy the first one. I do I too, but that second yeah. one is miserable. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. Well, and the other trailer that came out, uh, I think this one was yesterday, was Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And so, you know, they, they've been talking about this for a while. Kevin Smith has seen he's seen uh, a great deal of success directing those CW DC shows mm-hmm. that we were talking about, but not as much success in his film properties because he's kind of just been doing garbage. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, you take that back. Tusk was a work of art. Tusk was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It was so bad. I didn't even see yoga hosers. Uh, I did see both. Uh, they were horrible. So bad. Well, Red State was pretty terrible, too. Um, Red State was the best out of them, though. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but I will I, say, Jay and Silent Bob I, reboot. Oh, go ahead. I will say Kevin Smith. I, Kevin Smith has a career I admire uh, because I, I don't admire him. I admire his career. Because he gets paid to podcast? He, well, he gets paid. he gets paid to podcast. He gets paid – to just talk about shit he does. And that is largely his success is that he is, he is a fantastic open mic extemporaneous storyteller. Um, and I find the reason why he is successful in directing television, because if you hear anybody talk about it, it's because he's easy to get along with. He creates a set atmosphere that uh, that the actors enjoy and the actors in those series really kind of drive that and say, hey, he's easy to get along with. We get shit done. We're done on time. Uh, Let's get him back because, you know, TV directors are largely interchangeable because it is a writer's uh, uh, medium. I I am amazed at the career he's had just by being likable. Um, I find I've, I, there are times I really enjoy Kevin Smith 
And there, and there are times where he is so crass, so offensive, I can't listen to him. I mean, it, it nauseates me. I had to stop listening to his podcasts because it nauseates me uh, physically on how crass he becomes. And that's I from pick me. And, <laughs> yeah, I pick and choose the podcasts. I basically don't listen to any of them except for Hollywood Babylon. And he's not the one that's really running that show. It's Ralph. I really enjoy Ralph. And... Kevin adds to it, uh, but it's Ralph's show, not Kevin's show. You know, and I don't listen to, I used to listen to Fat Man on Batman. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. I don't think it is. He has, I think he just calls it like, like Fat Man now because it does more than Batman. Because he mentioned it on one of the recent Hollywood Babylons. Well, I mean, it's it was limiting, right? Like, you can only go but so far with, with the one character unless you're reading the book regularly, which he, he wasn't. Um, but I gotta say, I, I would I was predisposed to hate the Jay and Silent Bob reboot because I really don't Same. like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Um, I love Clerks, no, I you know, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, but Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and Clerks Two. Ugh, I can't stand either one of them. <laughs> but this freaking trailer cracked me up. I yeah, actually no, I, I, really look forward to this movie now. I agree. I'm right there with you. I was predisposed not to like it, and uh, I I I. I I have not watched the trailer as as many times as I had the Top Gun trailer, but I will say I've watched it twice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I don't know that I'm going to see it in the theaters, but I will see that. Well, and, and Ben Affleck's in it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, gosh, Matt Damon Gar- 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 and Jason Lee, the and woman, um, Melissa God. Benoist is in it or Benoit or whatever the hell. Oh, Shannon um, Elizabeth. No, she was in uh, Daredevil. Um, and uh he played Night Nurse. God, what is her yeah. name? Oh, um, Rosario Dawson. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a cameo, but she's in it again, you know, because she was in Clerks too. I'm sure all of them are cameos, but still, I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, should be. Yeah, fun. I know he's mentioned that he has so many cameos that people just love showing up for his movies. Well, he got freaking Johnny Depp to be in that Tusk movie, so he's got. <laughs> He's got friends. They they just yeah. don't help. Well, they don't translate again, to box office. He's built a career off of being likable. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's uh, that's pretty much everything that that's been of interest for us um, coming out of Comic Con these first couple days. Uh, the only other thing, uh, comic specific, a comic um, is that later this year we'll get a a couple of new ongoing series from Marvel. We'll get a Mary Jane ongoing series, and we'll get a Doctor Doom ongoing series i cannot imagine that the mary jane i mean i'm real curious as what the take is for a mary jane series well and i think in both of these situations uh the mary jane and the doctor doom i can't imagine even though they're announced as ongoing that they're actually ongoing i think they they, i think ongoing nowadays means you can have as long as you have to tell your story so we're not going to announce that it's four issues or five issues, but, you know, basically when your story's done, the series is over. Like, I don't right. know that we're going to be talking about Doctor Doom issue 60 in a couple of years. <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's going to be like, you know, infamous Iron Man, right? Yeah. I mean, it'll be a limited run. It'll be 12 issues or thereabouts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I I'm thinking the same thing, 12 issues for, uh, for Mary Jane. At They've most. been doing interesting things with the character in the last few years. I mean, she has ties to both Iron Man and Spider-Man now. Right. Yeah. But... I don't know what their story is going to be. Yeah. Hey, I mean, if it's good, it's good. But, you know, I don't necessarily have an interest in that one. The Doctor Doom one interests me. Um, I'm not familiar with the, the creative team. Well, I'm familiar with the artist, Salvador La Roca. Um, God, I love him. Love but, him. Yeah, me too. But the writer is Christopher Cantwell, who is the creator of the TV series Halt and Catch Fire, which I've heard of. I've just not seen. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, sometimes those TV writers don't necessarily translate well to comics. Right. Oh, wow. All right. It's a lot. That's a lot of news. And again, the big news will be coming out Saturday and, um, you know, some on Sunday. And we didn't even talk about all the horror news, but I'll save yeah. that for a different conversation. Do you, do you want to talk about some comics then, maybe? Well, we could talk about one or two. You know, we could talk okay. about Superman's pal. Buddy His BFF. Chum. It's BFF ball. <laughs> Jimmy Olsen number one came out today. Uh, we had t- spoken uh, a couple weeks ago in that event, Leviathan, no, Leviathan Rising special that previewed this, uh, that we really enjoyed Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber's 
uh, take on Jimmy Olsen in that book. And so with the first issue coming out, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? I say, I'm really curious what you guys are going to think of this book because I didn't get it. Be- and I was thinking about getting it. I just looked at the preview pages and I hated what I saw in the preview pages. If you hated the preview pages, you're not going to like the rest of the book. But I'll say I fucking loved this book. Yeah, no, I, 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 th- I'm, I love this book as much as I love the Lois Lane book yeah. for different reasons. But, I, you know, it's not what I expected. It's I, I wasn't sure that I was going to enjoy a Jimmy Olsen comic. I wasn't sure either. Yeah. But Matt Fraction is killing this. Yeah. Um, he's got a really wry sense of humor and there's a lot of humor in these pages. Uh, I, I'm digging it rather a lot. And I like how it's fitting into the current Superman story. And, and yeah. it makes sense. You know, they, they make an argument for why all this weird shit happens to Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And really get a kick out of this. <laughs> but And it took me a second to realize that they had tied in the transition of ownership of the planet into this issue. Yeah. It took me a second. I was like, oh, that's what's going on there. Yeah. It's, so, a, it's a, I, so much fun. I mean, this is, yeah. if you, it, it, this is very much a Matt Fraction book for better or worse. Absolutely. So There's very much that same sensibility of Forrest Hawkeye run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I I genuinely loved this book. I, I really did. It's it's a lot of fun. It's something different, just like the Lois Lane book is something different, you know, and from the I, Superman I, universe. And I particularly love that we end this first issue with Jimmy Olsen moving to Gotham City. Yeah. And that, you know, that's going to be a hoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you know we're going to see that. We have to. And the landlord going, um, if you're going to open the window at night turn off the lights, <laughs> you know, you, you, you got to be careful. And, you know, if you, if you wind up murdered or dead, I get your stuff, you know, <laughs> just like, whoo, whoo, nice city, that Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. much how you imagine Gotham to be. Um, it's, 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 it's really fun. Uh, but Wayne, if you didn't, well, if you didn't like the first couple of pages, which are about Joaquin Olsen. Yeah. Um, I thought those were fun, but if you didn't like them, I think there's still a lot for you in the rest of the book. But, uh, you know, it, it is very much a quirky, funny book. Uh, it's a Jimmy Olsen book. It's, it's you know, it's a Jimmy Olsen book by Matt Fraction, and it is exactly what I expected. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. It's great. I, it I really dig it. Well, so I'm, I am ready to hear you guys tell me how wonderful Batman 75 was. That's also a book that went about as I expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be waiting for a long time for that one, Aaron, because I hated this book. Oh, my God. This book was terrible. Um, you know, and here's the thing. We're out of the dream space. We're we're in back in the real world. Batman is is, you know, Bane has taken over Gotham and Batman is, you know, clawing back to, you know, to to refine himself to to come back and take on Bane. Basically, the storyline of The Dark Knight Rises Um you know that that Batman's out of country. He's got to he's got to find his groove. He's got to get his groove back. Uh, but meanwhile, Bane has taken over the city. But and it's funny because you know it, the comparisons to Dark Knight Rises continues because in that movie, you know, Scarecrow kind of you know took over being judge and jury of of you know the the Gotham courts and all that. Well, in this book. Joker and Riddler are, are a buddy cop duo that solve crimes in Gotham City and keep the other villains in check. And the commissioner is Hugo Strange and Batman is the Flashpoint Batman. And um, this book sucks. This book is, is yeah. this, this book just sucks. Oh, the things I hated about this. Let's start with Joker. That's not Joker. No. It is about as out of character as I have ever seen Joker Riddler, I can see in that role, not Joker. Yeah, Riddler has like, been a cop before. But yeah, Joker as his partner. What the hell? I was what the? I'm like, the shit is going on. I'm like, is this another dream? And it's not. It's not. It's just a poorly written story. And I haven't been reading the Batman books, so I know Thomas Wayne had already been brought over. I hate that they have Thomas Wayne from Flashpoint in the regular book. 
I think he was very well done in Flashpoint, and they should have ended it there. DC doesn't know when to leave a story alone. And so Superman and Batman both have to have issues with their their fathers being around again. Well, it's odd to me that they brought back, you know, Jor-El and um, now uh, Thomas Wayne as villains. Uh, because the Flashpoint Batman was never a villain, was never villainous. Yeah, was, uh, and, you know, I really and, liked him. He was a hero. He was a dark hero, but a hero. And this is a villain through and through. Yeah. And, you know, we saw him in uh, the, the Button storyline, which was also written by Tom King, I think, or co-written by Tom King. So it's kind of surprising to me that the same writer has turned him into this villain. But, you know. Yeah, and the ventriloquist is his butler. Yeah. Going in and out of the Batcave. So now I guess ventriloquist knows that Bruce Wayne was Batman because he's in the house. Ah, good point. I hadn't thought about that. And, yeah, there was just so much to hate. The (laughs) only thing that I'm curious about is the uh, Bruce Wayne Catwoman conversation at the end. I I don't give a shit. I'm done. I'm not going to read any of what happens (laughs) with it, but... Like, I I uh, genuinely gave it... I keep giving it tries. Every time an issue comes out, I'm like, eh. I'm like, but it's the start of City of Bane. This is the big (laughs) storyline they've been leading into. I gotta give it a shot. No. No, Paul. No. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not coming back to the storyline at all. I like that Bruce and and Selena remember their first meeting differently. And one of them remembers the pre-Flashpoint and one remembers the, you know, New 52 meeting. Yeah, I don't know. That, like, that was interesting the first time they did it, but now I just don't give a crap. <laughs> but yeah, this book was horrible beginning to end. There was, so- I'm not touching any more of this story. Does it impact your thoughts on Batman Catwoman, the the new Tom King series coming out to wrap up his Batman and Catwoman story? Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna invest. Mm. I, I think uh, you know that 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 basically ra- that this leads up to that, and then that will, will you know will be the the finish line. I don't I don't think I care. I don't I don't want I don't care how this story ends. I, at this point, just give me someone else on this title, and I, yeah, again, I, that's only... hard for me to say, but I'm ready for it. The only positive thing I can say about the book has nothing to do with any of the story. I like the art on Gotham Girl. I like, you know, honestly, the art in the book wasn't bad. It's by Tony Daniel. Um, and, you know, we, we he's he's done some good stuff and he's 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 been uneven. But uh, I would say he, he does a he, he does a good job on this one. Yeah, there is one in particular page that I love. And that's uh, Gotham Girl crashing into the building and punching Solomon Grundy in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that are that is that's poster worthy. Well, I, I really love Gotham Girl, and uh, you know that it's hard for me not to pick it up. But I also knew what many previous issues have told me is that I would have been disappointed in this book. Yeah. But a book that I also didn't pick up this week not because i felt like i was i would be disappointed but because i was spending my money in the dc 60% off sale and bought every single issue of the 88 Dr. Fate series. Um, and so I, I got that. Instead of picking up George Takei's original graphic novel, They Called Us Enemy, but Wayne picked it up, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that. And Wayne, I'm really curious to hear what you think. Yes. So I saw this on Comixology. The cover looked interesting, so I you know, clicked to do the preview pages. I read the story and found out it says George Takei, and it's a... His real story of growing up during World War II and being put into internment camp because he was a Japanese-American. And this story is powerful. Uh, it is a – from an art standpoint, it's black and white, which I think really serves this particular story well. It's in a period that as Americans, I think we should be ashamed of. The You know, what – what America did. And I've never heard the story from the perspective of a child growing up in those camps. It, it is powerful. It is, there's good and bad to what, you know, he has happy moments in his childhood that you're seeing. He has horrible moments and you see from the beginning to the end, you know, what he went through, what his father went through it's not just that story. It's his personal story. You know, you see in there, it, 
it'll skip forward to him as an adult and it'll skip forward to uh, like awards and medals for people that fought in the war and to his work because I didn't realize he was an activist for the Japanese community in the United mm-hmm. States, but he is. Yeah. And there's a lot of dealing with him and his father and how as a child things he didn't realize and then having conversations growing up with his father and his father being open and talking about it. And as an adult, the things he realizes and regrets things he says, the writing on this is really strong. The story is very good. I'm I'm not completely through it because it's a full graphic novel. Yeah. Uh, I'm on page 145 of over 200. Yeah. And it is I said it's chilling for anyone that loves history, anyone that just wants a solid family story. I recommend this to everyone. Well, you know, uh, we had the, you know, anniversary of uh, the D-Day invasion earlier this summer. And, you know, one of the things that that, you know, the news kept reporting was, you know, how few of those guys are still left who stormed the beach at Normandy. And, you know, we're, we're losing World War II veterans every day. And to that point, we are also losing those people who uh, survived the Holocaust in Europe uh, during that period. And, you know, I, I the, the the youngest generation that survived that, you know, the children who are in those camps are dying off. And it's the same for the Japanese internment camps that we had here in America. Um I, so I, I'm thankful that George Takei got to tell the story uh, so that it remains a slice of our history. And I, I think we have been really good at capturing stories outside of uh, the European theater, but have been less effective in capturing sort of our own uh, injustices here in the States during that period. Uh, yeah. and so I, I think it's great that we've got a voice like George Takei capturing that. And, you know, he, he, he's written a play and, and starred in the play on Broadway about it. Um, he, at your, you know, as you said, you know, he is an activist, um, about this and, you know, you, you, we've, we've got to capture these voices while we can, cause they won't be with us forever. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things I was really happy about this book existing is that, mm-hmm. It's in a media that can be given to younger audiences. Mm-hmm. It's something that can still exist and reach people that wouldn't have been reached otherwise to tell this story. And I said, it is a powerful story. It is a, it's an entertaining story. He tells it very well. I said, you get the moments of his childhood outside of the horror. You get the seeds of why he became an actor, came out of those camps. So, yeah, yeah, I I highly recommend this to everyone. It was easily the best thing I have I read this week. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to picking it up. And, you know, once I I work through all 41 issues of (laughs) Fate 88, I'll uh, hop on that. But, Paul. Yes. What's coming out next week? Well, next week. um, Interesting. We get Marvel's epilogue. And so there, the the story Marvels from Kurt Busiek and um, Alex Ross from years ago, at this point, 20 plus years ago, mm-hmm. they're doing an, an all new standalone epilogue to it from the same creative team. Now, they've, you know, they've done plenty of Marvel's sequels and stuff like that, but... Right. Um, and don't forget the anna- the fully annotated marvels that recently came yeah. out. <laughs> so, you know, they're 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 doing this uh what what I find interesting is that they're saying in this 16-page story. Oh, um, so it's only 16 pages, also features bon- behind the scenes look at the making of the story and other bonus features. So a you get 16 pages and behind the scenes of those 16 pages for for the low low cost of 4.99. Yeah. Well, you probably got more pages of behind the scenes than the actual 16 yeah. pages. It feels like those 16 pages probably could have just been put in like a new edition uh-huh. of Marvel's. But, you know, uh-huh. that, that's that's just me. Um, also for Marvel Comics, we have a couple of first issues, including Valkyrie, Jane Foster, issue one uh, from Jason Aaron and Al Ewing with art by what? Kafu. Um, so Jane Foster is, is the new uh, Valkyrie coming out of War of the Realms. Huh. Huh. It's got a Aaron, beautiful they cover. They don't care about your Valkyrie. 
They want well, to replace your Valkyrie with every other Valkyrie. <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious if, if it'll be some sort of pairing like, uh, you know, Donald Blake and, and Thor. Will it be you know Jane Foster and Brunhilde? I don't know. No, no, I, that I Valkyrie died. It. Oh, did she? When, yeah, did she, she did. when did that happen? Uh, War of the Realms issue two or three, something like that. Bastards. Yeah, she's dead. So that's why we have a new Valkyrie. Still, I might check it out. Yeah. Well, also from Marvel Comics, another number one, House of X, or excuse me, House of Ten. Um, (laughs) I I, I read the preview. It's very specifically House of Ten from uh, Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz. It's it's Jonathan Hickman's new, um, his reboot or whatever, his his launch of his new X-Men stuff. Yeah, I've been reading X-Men, but that's not Pepe Larraz. Pepe Larraz. Yeah, I've been reading X-Men, and I don't know how I feel about this relaunch. They talk about, you know, what are the big moments in the X-Men history that have redefined it, and one of the ones they really point to was New X-Men the last time that I got driven off of the X-Books because I hated Grant Morrison's take on them. And I'm not liking how this one's shaping up either, so I think I'm probably out on X-Books for a while. You know, for what it's worth, though, that new X-Men really was, like, a turning point for the book. Not a great one. Um, oh, yeah, it was It was definitely a turning point. It changed everything the X-Men were, and I agree, it was very much a turning point. It turned me off of the book. I'm 100% buying that first issue um, of, of House of Ten. Uh, you know, it's Jonathan Hickman. I, I've been looking forward to this. I, I'm hopeful that it's going to, uh, you know, to bring me back into into the X Men. And John, if if anyone can do it, it's Jonathan Hickman. He, you know, he's been out of the Marvel space for for quite a while. And if this is what brought him back, then then count me in. Um, the director's cut will be available on Comixology, five ninety nine uh, for the first issue, but it's one hundred and seventy nine pages because anyone who's wow. picked up the director's cut knows it's the story. It's the pencils, it's the script, it's everything. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm absolutely picking that up. Um, also for Marvel Comics, History of the Marvel Universe, number one of six. An all-new story by Mark Wade with art by Javier Rodriguez. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Marvel Universe in one lavishly illustrated series. From the Big Bang to the Twilight of Existence, History of the Marvel Universe chronicles completely, for the first time, everything that was, is, or will be. Um, lushly illustrated text tells the complete story of the Marvel Universe, and so and again, it's written by Mark Wade. I'm I'm intrigued. Now mm-hmm. you know it'll I I give Mark Wade an issue or two of anything he'll write. So yeah. so I'll give that one a shot too. Uh, moving over to the DC side of the house, uh, there is Batman: Curse of the White Knight. Issue one, uh, written and, and drawn by Sean Murphy. Uh, you know, this is the sequel to, I think it was just called Batman White Knight, um, you know, from that DC Black label. So this is the, the, the start of the sequel. Will, will you guys be picking this one up? I liked White Knight, so uh, I, I, will, I might be giving this a shot. Yeah, I think White Knight did a horrible job with its finale. Uh, I think it, but I really enjoyed the entire story right up until the end when I disagree with some of the end choices. So I'm and giving Sean, it a shot. And Sean Murphy draws a magnificent Batmobile. So, he does. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, so if, I, if nothing else, the art is gorgeous. Yeah. And I'm not getting my Batman anywhere else. So <laughs> yeah, me either. So maybe, maybe, uh, well, I shouldn't say that because detective comics comes out next week and I am enjoying, uh, Pete Tomasi's run on that title. So I, I will be picking that one up as well as the new issue of action comics, uh, feeding into that event Leviathan. And we've got the Walmart Batman now. Oh, that's that true. true. That's well, true. and most importantly, next week. Well, and I should say before I move off of this, Detective Comics one thousand eight is written by Pete Tomasi with art by Doug Mankey. So Woo-hoo! maybe worth checking out. Um, but the biggest release next week, huge, 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 is it huge. It's huge. Yeah. Archie versus Predator two. Oh, Issue out. one. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge wow. comes to Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I I have to say, I give a lot of these Archie books a chance. I would, but reason. they never finish their fucking series. You know, like Afterlife yeah. with Archie went nowhere. You know, then they had that Sabrina thing that only ever had like two or three issues. Like they made three seasons or two seasons of a TV show in less time than it took them to make issue three of that book. Yeah, that's I, true. 
That is I exactly read, true. I read some of Vampironica as well. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. So, well, Archie versus Predator 2 comes out. I, next week. I know we're running extra long. Yes. I didn't pick it up this week, but I did look at the preview pages and I looked at the free comic book day digital issue that was made available. Dynamite has relaunched Vampirella with an issue one. Yeah. And I got to say, it looks really good. And, it, and not just because, you know, because uh, Vampirella is typically a TNA book, but the it ha- it looked like it almost had a Jimmy Olsen, Matt Fraction sort of take on the character. Huh. And uh, I got to say, when I've got some time, I'm going to pick it up. All right. We'll see. Look You'll have to report in. I will. All right, guys. I think we're I done. Think that's it, right? Jesus. Are we done? Did, have, we, have we made it to the end of our of our epic uh, cast? We have. And, you know, it's only going to get more and more epic with more news out of San Diego Comic-Con, including us recording uh, a special episode of Star Trek with Aaron and Polly talking about that, that news that's going to be coming out of Comic-Con. Coming out this week, so make yeah. sure and check your feeds. Being, been seeing so much about Picard lately. Well. Hopefully we'll get a trailer today that we can talk about. All righty, guys. Y'all have a good one. You too. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.